Welcome to the teaching ministry of Elevation Church. Today we are going to hear from Pastor Dave Carroll in the series, Incomparable. Well, good morning, Elevation. Is everybody awake with Fallback Sunday or are you tired from Candy Jam? I don't know. Hey, look around. Can we praise the Lord and and also encourage each other for a packed house this morning in first service? It is good to be here with you. We're starting a brand new series. We're going verse by verse for the next three months through the book of Colossians. Uh, Some people say, well, hey, I I only like messages that... uh, are super deep and are verse by verse. Some people say, hey, I only like messages that deal with my needs and what I'm going through. And I like to say, I'm for the whole thing. I think that believers need everything. Uh, we need our needs to be met by the word of God. But then there's also this other side uh, to preaching and to learning that we're, we need to accept what God wants to tell us first, right? Can I get an amen somewhere uh, on that? We, we have to buy in to what God wants us to buy into, uh, sometimes even above our own needs. And that's what this series is about. Now, we're tackling the book of Colossians through three different series. It's called the Incomparable Series. And this, this week in staff meeting, uh, I was reminded that there is a more common usage called incomparable. And if you're an English major who likes to use that, that's fine. But I thought incomparable had a better ring to it. And so here are the three series. In the month of November, we'll be doing incomparable change, talking about the change that God wants to see take place in the heart of every believer. In December, what a great title for the month of December, we'll be doing Incomparable Christ, and we'll zero in on that section of Colossians, which is really what the entire book is about. And then in January, Paul ends Colossians with a a lot of things that he wants us to do, and so we'll deal with Incomparable Resolution. So it's a three-part series, Incomparable Change, Incomparable Christ, Incomparable Resolution, but the heart of the change is that We need to be a people who conform to the image of the the Son of God. And so that's where we're digging in. If you have your Bible, make sure you have Colossians chapter 1. It'll be pretty easy the next few months because if you find Colossians once and you're new to the Bible, uh, for about 12 to 13 solid weeks, this is where you'll be turning. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll kick off our message. God, we are grateful for your work. Father, we are grateful that you continue to bless us with influence in the city. And God, we don't want to use it uh, only to uh, lift up our name. Lord, as a matter of fact, that's not even important, but God, it's the name of Jesus that we want to lift high. Uh, Father, we thank you for the some four to 5,000 people who walked through the doors last night. And we pray and ask that uh, they might consider you, that you might work on their heart and that they may return and hear the gospel and be changed by you. Father, I thank you for the people who served their heart out last night and and the week leading up, and I pray and ask that you would bless their family and and give them uh, renewed strength even as they tackle a new week. God, I thank you that you're developing a church uh, who are helping people far from you come alive. But God, we know that we can't do that unless we come alive ourselves, Father, that we're deeply rooted in who you are. And so, Father, over the next three months, will you help us to deeply root in the glory of your name? We ask these things in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, 
Amen. Hey, can you believe this place is ready for church after last night? It boggles my mind. Hey, can we appreciate everybody who served and uh, made that happen? I didn't want to go any further without that. Uh, So we're in this series, Incomparable Change. And we're in Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. And the title of the message today is Sinner to Saint. Now, transitions in life are difficult. They're difficult from when we're little. Uh, How many of you are geniuses and you remember the transition from crawling to walking? Anybody geniuses in here? No. Uh, You know, my father-in-law always claimed he was a genius and he remembers the trauma of the womb. Uh, But nobody remembers that. But if you carry it on a little bit further, I'm in a house full of four boys and it seems like every other day somebody's lifting up their arm to show me their new armpit hair, right? Because they're transitioning from a boy to a man. And, you know, our, our society has created this stage called teenager, and it, they've even tried to make tween. But the truth is, um, there's a child, and then there's an adult. There's really not an in-between. Uh, the child is just in the process of becoming an adult, a boy to a man, a, a young girl into a lady. And so uh, there's those kind of transitions. There's the transition where you did the Dave Ramsey budget, right? And yet uh, you have this great plan on paper, but then all of a sudden the nerd has to rein in the spender because the spender is acting like they're a millionaire, right? And there's this transition of learning how to manage your money. Uh, how about when you first get married? For those of you who have been married, uh, you, the guy especially tends to uh, take about, oh, 10 years to figure out the difference between being a single man and a married man, not so much in the sense of unfaithfulness, but just in the sense of uh, not being married to football or not. uh, That's really hard, isn't it, guys? For some of us, it is. Um, If you're dating, there's that transition from friends, you know, where you're friends and then you kind of try to identify the relationship. We used to call it DTR. Uh, That's a define the relationship talk that had to occur when you were single. But these transitions take place and transitioning is hard. And I believe the hardest transition that we have to make in this life is from sinner to saint. You see, many of us tend to stop at this phrase right here. We're a sinner saved by grace. And while that is true and praise the Lord for his grace, right? praise the Lord for his grace, but scripture tells us that we're supposed to not stop there in our identity. There's a change that's supposed to take place. It's incomparable to any other change that has to take place in your life. And it's that from a sinner to a saint. You see, when you cross the line of faith, God says that now you are a saint. When you cross from death to life in Christ, you're no longer a sinner. That's not your title. Do you sin? Yes, we're all capable of sinning because Scripture says we have two natures, right? We have two natures, and the old person is right there, the old man or the old woman, and I'm not calling anybody that in the room, just so you know, that's a spiritual term. Uh, The old man or the old woman uh, tries to rear their ugly head and, uh, and tell us that we're sinners, but really we're saints. Would you turn to someone right now and say, you, if you know Jesus, say, if you know Jesus, you are a saint. Don't turn to a person who doesn't know Jesus and say, if you don't, you're a sinner. That wouldn't go over too well. So here's the deal. If you want to get the gist of the message today, here's your first blank. If you're taking notes, you can turn your program over on the back and and fill in the blanks if you want. 
And this is a great message to take some notes on. I believe that uh, you'll learn a lot about the Bible and you'll be equipped walking out today uh, with some spiritual tools. Uh, More than ever, we need Christians to start acting and identifying as Christians. Wow, what a concept, right? Except for that, when we look out at the landscape, um, we have a lot of cultural Christianity. We have a lot of people who want to come just close enough to Jesus to say they have their ticket punched to heaven, but they never get in the depths of who Jesus is. But here's, here's the bad part about that. When you do that, you never know the joy in Christ. And you start saying, yeah, I, I have heaven, but uh, where's the joy in this life? Why doesn't it work? Well, it's because you're not really taking the transition from sinner to saint very seriously. And so we have to up our game, if you will, in the area of our faith. Now, here's some notes on Colossians, and you may want to take your pen and write these down. I'm going to give you some tidbits, uh, most messages that we do, but I'm not going to tell you everything all at once. Um, Some of you may or may not know this, but Colossians was written by the Apostle Paul, who is the influential figure in writing the New Testament Uh, He was in jail. These were called the prison epistles, and it was written sometime around 60 AD. And Paul probably never met this church. We'll talk a little bit about the church at Colossae uh, as we get through the message, but it was an insignificant city. This city was not influential at all. In fact, it was a dying city when he wrote to it. And to me, that's some good news because today, if you're dying on the inside, if you're feeling insignificant, God cares about you. Isn't that a great truth today? He cares about you. And even though this city didn't have any potential for major influence in the region, Paul took time out to write to it. Now, why did he do that? He was trying to correct what was called the Colossian heresy. And this is important. And if you're thinking, wow, this is getting too heady for me, don't let it because this matches America in 2015, more than any other day. And here's mostly what the Colossian heresy was. It was the mixing and matching of different faiths to create their own faith. The only difference was back then, they would find a group of people who would mix and match and belong to the group. But now we kind of do that individually, don't we? Where we're tempted to try to take different faiths and go, well, aren't, aren't, aren't some things good enough? Can't I just include them in my Christian faith? And Paul was saying, Not no, but heck no. You know what I'm saying? And so here's what the mix was for those of you who are interested in this. Jewish legalism. Um, They they thought that they had to be circumcised again after they came to Christ. Uh, For all you guys... Uh, can, can I get an amen that we don't have to be circumcised after we place our faith in Christ, right? That would be pretty awful. And uh, you might even see a guy cry in church, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, even though we tend not to get emotional, I think it would be an emotional experience. What else? They were mixing in knowledge. They thought that there was a higher knowledge than Jesus, a higher knowledge than the Bible. And so they were seeking, they were saying, yeah, this Jesus stuff is good, but I want a little bit more than that. And then they were going into pure mysticism, searching for some experience over the truth of the word of God. And so Paul had to write to them to, to correct this. And for those of you, this is a very real thing. In fact, I've encountered several people who have used this term. Um, this was the very beginning of Gnosticism, which many young adults are grabbing back onto today. And can I tell you, there is only one person we need 
for salvation, and that is Jesus Christ. We need nothing else. And so uh, the city of Colossae was doing well in about 500 BC uh, because of their trade industry. In fact, uh, they produced dyes, and there was a road that went through it. But here's what happened. Check out this map on the screen. Um, what happened by the time Jesus got there and by the time Paul was writing this letter, you can see Colossae right there. Uh, Colossae used to have a road running through it, but then those two red lines right there, um, the Roman government decided to take the road out. There was no major road to Colossae anymore, and the two roads ran to Laodicea. That, yes, that's the Laodicea you hear about when you read Revelation, the church that was lukewarm. And so uh, here you see that the road had dried up. And can I tell you, maybe the roads have dried up in your life. Maybe your faith has come to an end, and you don't, you don't know where you're going to move forward because the road has a big dead end sign. Today, can I tell you that God will provide even when you don't see a road. He will meet you where you are if you'll make this transition, if you'll let him do the incomparable change in your life. And here's the last thing I want to tell you about Colossians. Uh, The church of Colossae uh, was in a city that was destroyed by an earthquake right about the same time Paul wrote this. Right about the same time, this city got wiped off the map. And so it's with that, we're going to go ahead and start reading. Everybody take your Bible, make sure it's open, read Colossians 1. one. Uh, we'll stop a little bit before verse 8 today, probably around verse 6 to kick it off. Is everybody with me today? Yeah, fantastic. Here we go. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. Paul was an apostle, which means one sent out. It's a delegate of God, someone who speaks for the Lord. That's who Paul was, and they believed Timothy was the scribe while Paul was in jail. You know, some people believe Paul was blind, um, and so he would have needed a scribe, and he would have dictated this letter while he's sitting in prison to this city that was about to be destroyed by an earthquake. Interesting, huh? And so, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the, say this word with me, the saints and the faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before the word of the truth of the, what's that word? The gospel, which has come to you as it has also in all the world. And it is bringing forth fruit, and it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth. So, first of all, if we're going to make this transition from a sinner to a saint, we have to know what a saint is. You can write this down. A saint is simply someone who has been set apart from sin and then set apart to God. How does that happen? By the work of our Savior Jesus Christ with his perfect sinless life, his death on the cross, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension. And so that right there is what makes us a saint. But when we're a saint, it means that the transition that's supposed to happen is we're not set apart to sin anymore, but we are now set apart to God. Uh, we We are to become holy. And so there are three gospel marks on a saint. 
The gospel is the story of Jesus Christ that we depend on, that we place our faith in. And that is what issues God's saving grace when we believe and then repent. But now the gospel, what it does is it makes an imprint. You know, my youngest son Briggs got a, a Halloween stamp from his preschool class. And I hate Halloween stamps. I hate anything that makes marking. If you have kids, you understand this. It's like I try to put the crayons in the attic. And when they say, can I color? I go, no, you can't. And when the grandma sends it, I, I intercept the box, right? And I throw it away. But Briggs took this stamp and uh, he said, Daddy, I, I want to do it. Can, can, you, can you let me do, do the stamp this time? And I said, you know, this once I'll let you do it. So I peel the plastic part off. He, he does it, and he puts it on a piece of paper. And I went, oh, isn't that fun? Can, let me see it back. And he said, no, Daddy, I'm not done. And, and so I, I look at him about five minutes later after I leave the room. I come back, and Briggs proceeds to stamp himself upwards of 50 to 100 times all over his body. He looked like he belonged in Vancouver, you know, at some tattoo shop. I don't know. But the gospel makes a mark on a saint that you can't get away from. And here they are. You hear these. In fact, many of you have heard this read at uh, a friend's wedding or it was maybe read at your wedding or maybe uh, there was a remarriage that happened and someone read 1 Corinthians 13. But here are the three marks that the gospel imprints on a saint. It's faith, love, and hope. We see that um, right there in verse 4. It says, since we heard of your faith in Jesus Christ, of your love for the saints because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. Now, here are the basics of the three marks. Faith, it's a reliance upon Christ alone for salvation. Remember, people were mixing and matching and Paul was saying, no, 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 come back to Christ alone for your very hope and life. You know, Romans ten seventeen says this, that faith comes by hearing and hearing comes from the word of God. This is where we should get our faith from. This is where we know how to place our faith in Christ. Hey, can I tell you today, if you have been guilty of maybe mixing and matching or starting to go into things like, you know, sometimes if you go deep into yoga, things that seem innocent because you're just trying to get exercise, but if you go deeper into it and you're trying to draw on that for your peace, or maybe um, you're an academian or maybe you're a college student or just got out of college and you were challenged with a lot of philosophy, no, uh, stop worrying about all those things, uh, shrink it down to Christ. Now, Drew, my second oldest son, he uh, loves this game. Uh, He loves mixing and matching his sodas at the restaurant. Anybody uh, like that? I'm not talking about your kids. Anybody else do that, right? You mix and match your sodas. Well, this, his love of mixing and matching sodas has morphed into uh, trying to see if I can catch it when I ask him to fill my drink at a restaurant. Occasionally, I'll say, Drew, if he's on his way, will you get me a Diet Coke or a Coke Zero or a, or a uh, root beer? And he'll say, yeah, Dad, you got it. Well, I'll get Diet Coke, but I also get a little bit of Fanta, a little bit of Sprite, a little bit of lemonade. You know, he really doctors it up good, and he sets it on the, on the counter, and he smiles and thinks, oh, let's see if Dad recognizes it. And so I'll take a sip and my face contorts because I never like that game, right? And and he's trying to see if I can catch the fact that he mixes and matches my request because I'm looking for the pure thing. And see, Paul was saying one of the gospel marks that will help you move from sinner to saint is that you have to have faith in Christ 
alone. Number two is love. It's a special connection that involves generosity. It's interesting. Many times uh, the world tries to inform us about what love is, that love is sex, or that love is some uh, deep romantic feeling all the time or some big emotional connection. But here, what Paul is saying, and I think this is important for a young church. You know that we're just 30 or 31 months old, and God has done a great work But I believe this is a gospel mark that he wants to place on us. And that is, it's a special connection to the other saints that involves generosity. We have to learn to love each other. I'm going to give you three W's. They're not on the screen. Here are ways that we can love each other. One, we need to begin to love to worship together. You know what? Uh, We need to begin to place in a world that is just clawing for our time, begin to have a renewed emphasis on worshiping together where we don't want to miss Sunday, not just for Jesus, but for the people of God around us and begin to love each other and to prioritize it over the things that the world is telling you is more important. That is a gospel mark. Here's another W. It's a love that walks with someone through their struggles. A love that walks with someone through their struggles. You know, church people can be pretty messed up, can't we? Uh, In fact, sometimes because we're truly a hospital for sinners, right? Sometimes the mess in the church can be even greater than what you encounter in other places. And you think, oh my goodness, that's the church. Well, look at the the Colossians. Uh, Paul has to write to them because they were pretty messed up. He had to fix some things and that's okay. But we've developed this deep love that walks through each other's struggles, that walks through the shortcomings of life. A love, here's your third W, that wants to be a friend. A love that wants to be a friend, that you didn't just come here just to kind of check your worship box, but that you want to love the people who are here and get to know them and you want to be here with them. There's a want to, so that's love. Here's the third. The third is hope. It's the confident expectation of good. That's verse five, which is laid up for us in heaven. Now I have a great illustration that came to me after Candy Jam. Um, My football team that no one cares about in Montana that you're going to have to hear about the Miami Hurricanes were down 27 to 24 with six seconds left. This was an awful week. Our coach got fired. We stink. Uh, the, the commentators all around the country are saying that our program doesn't matter anymore. And I feel awful. I, f- I felt this big this week uh, because of my football team. But I want to show you what hope looks like. With six seconds left, Duke University, and I cannot believe I'm saying we were close with Duke. They're a basketball school. But Duke University was kicking off with six seconds left, and my Miami Hurricanes could have died. They could have tanked, but I want to I show you uh, quite possibly what people are calling the greatest ending in the history of football happened last night with my Miami Hurricanes. And so I want to, and then we'll talk about hope. Check this out. Get some volume on that thing. <laughs>
hey, I'm going to make hurricane fans out of us if it's the last thing I do. But hey, can I tell you that there are too many believers walking around with no hope and you're giving up and you know what you're doing? You're taking the ball in the kickoff with six seconds left and the struggles and trials in your life and you're just going to go ahead and run, it, run a normal play and just or run it out of bounds and just take the loss. But that's not what God intended for you in your life. That is not a gospel mark to not have hope. You see... What God is asking you to do is to flip the ball somewhere else and trust that he has a purpose and a plan in your life. And the, and the, and the first, uh, the, the Old Testament in the Bible, they looked forward to the first coming of Jesus, that the Messiah would be born. But all through the New Testament, our hope is laid up and that we have a Savior who's coming. And so because he's coming and we believe that, we keep flipping the ball in this life. We keep the the throttle down. We keep working and trying to please our God to make the transition from sinner to saint because we have this hope laid up for us in heaven. Isn't that a great hope that we can do? And so um, here's your big take home today. Those are three gospel marks. But uh, very quickly, be a singled out saint as we finish Colossians verse 7 and 8. Here's what it says. As you learned, he's, he's saying, do these things, faith, hope, and love. They weren't just theological concepts. It's how Paul lived his life. He says, as you learned from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the spirit. Here Paul says, this is what a saint looks like. And here is a name. Here's a person you can follow. Uh, this is some... Uh, something you may not realize and you may never guess. My favorite person who I identify the most with in the entire scripture is Epaphras. Uh, And why do I like him? He's a church planter. You know, I was involved in a church plant at the age, I think of three, four, five, or something like that, all the way till I was nine. And then I helped uh, Pastor Fred plant a church in college uh, in Jupiter, Florida. I moved to Cleveland and got to be a part of seeing several churches pop up out of the ground and helping them. Sometimes Amy and I would go, those of you who serve in the nursery, we would go help a church on the first day that they launched and be in the nursery for them. And we saw churches there. And then we've uh, we moved and were a part of a church that was three and a half years old in Florida when we went back to Port St. Lucie. And here, uh, we, we started this church together, all of us in the room. We are starting a church. And Epaphras was someone who was uh, starting a church. He helped start the church in Laodicea, Heropolis. Those are some of the cities you saw on the map. And at Colossae. And uh, we think that maybe he came to Christ because he walked from Colossae to Ephesus. A pretty long walk to hear Paul preach in a large lecture hall. He gets saved in Ephesus, comes back, and he starts a church. Can you imagine this? Let it boggle your mind for a second. The day you come to Christ, you walk back to your home and you start a church. Think about that just for a second. That's Epaphras. Why? Because he realized that he was a person who was marked by the gospel and he was now going to be a saint. Saints aren't sitting there trying to defend against sin all the time. You know what saints are doing? They're advancing the gospel. That's what was meant to happen. Maybe some of us need to grab onto this truth and stop miring in our struggle and start advancing the things that God wants us to advance. And so, and, and if you need a scripture for that, that's Acts 19.10, where uh, we see Paul preaching in Ephesus. And that's where we think that Epaphras uh, came to Christ. So here are three 
uh, quick things that you can do to be singled out that Paul mentions here in the scripture. Number one, be involved. Maybe you won't start a church. Maybe you will. But I think there are more of you in here that could than you think. But be involved in birthing new believers. Start sharing your faith. Start caring if someone uh, comes to Christ in this building. Be an encouragement to them. Now, I know some of you are like Molly Shannon on Superstar when it comes to sharing your faith. You're like, sometimes when I get real nervous, you know, I stick my hands in my armpits and I... You're like, I don't know if I can share my faith, Dave. I don't know if I can. Here's the thing. It's a gospel mark. It's a gospel mark. You know what? Be a singled out saint. Be someone that if, if, if Paul were writing about the church at Elevation or the church in Billings, be someone where he would call your name because you're involved in birthing new believers. Here's the second one. Encourage existing believers. Encourage existing believers. Hey, those of you who are in a small group, finish strong, finish well. That's a great place to encourage other believers. If you didn't get involved, next semester in January when signups come, get involved in encouraging new believers. You know, one of the things we try to do at Elevation is we try not to bog you down with a million programs, right? That's not our church. And we do that so you can be salt and light. But can I tell you, the things that we do together, like worship and groups, need to go to the top priority in your life and my life so that we can be in an atmosphere where we can encourage each other. And here is another thing that you can do that Epaphras did. Uh, You can love the local church. Epaphras didn't just start the church at Colossae. He started the church... At Heropolis and Laodicea, he started three churches, and that's why he had to go back to Paul. He walks back to Paul while he's in prison and says, Paul, I'm having these problems in the churches that are happening. Can you help me with it? Hey, be a person who bats for the local church. The church is taking all kinds of bad rap, but can I tell you, it's the hope of the world. And when you grab onto these things, birthing new believers, encouraging existing ones, and loving the local church, it proves that the gospel is making its mark on you, that faith Hope and love are real things. Now, when we do this, when we make the transition from sinner to saint, it gives us great purpose. Listen to John chapter 17, verses 15 through 18. This is going to explain a lot right here for you. This is on the program or on the screen. I, this is Jesus talking, I am not asking you to take them out of the world. Jesus is praying to the Father right here but to keep them safe from the evil one. That's what Jesus prayed for his disciples. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. That's the saints. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, say this with me out loud, I am sending them into the world. See the transition from sinner to saint gives you great purpose in this life. It gives you the opportunity to advance the things of God instead of sit back in your sin and be identified with your old person before Christ. Now, today as we come to response, I'd ask that everyone take out their next step card. If you would just take that out. Maybe today God is going to impress something on your heart that you need to deal with. And on the back, we can help you 
take your next step. And I'll talk about that in a second, but just read through that as I'm talking. But here's number one. Some of you have never made this transition from sinner to saint. Maybe you walked in and you say, I'm no saint because I don't know Jesus Christ. That transition becomes impossible for you. It becomes impossible. And so today, you can make that transition to become a sinner saved by grace who is now called a saint by placing your faith and hope in Jesus Christ. And so I'd ask with every head bowed and every eye closed, today, if you're someone who says, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ, I want to believe in the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ that we talked about earlier, his perfect sinless life, his death on the cross, his burial, resurrection, ascension, and the hope that he's coming again. I want to believe on that and turn from my old sin ways and head toward being a saint. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? Is there anyone in the room like that that would say today? Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Elevation Church. Please take just a moment to reflect on today's sermon. Thanks again for listening, and for more information, visit our website at elevationbillings.com.